0: Hello world, this is Roger Corvill and this is For the Hope. Here we read through the Bible conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. When you look at an email that is one of those that has gone back and forth a few times, our email programs let us see the previous messages. But when it's a physical letter, well, reading it would be like listening to one side of the conversation. And that, my friends, is what's up with the letter we call 1 Thessalonians. Hey, Hopeful, welcome to For the Hopes Daily Audio Bible, where we lean into God's story together and think about what that means for our own life and work stories. Thessalonica is one of the few cities continuously occupied since the Greek Hellenistic period, several hundred years B.C., And the present-day Thessalonica is Greece's second-largest city. Now, put on your business hat for a second. Part of why this is true is location, location, location. And as has been true for most of history, a lot of that had to do with critical roadways and being the intersection of several strategic routes. But perhaps more importantly in Paul's day, it was also a great harbor as well. It was still way cheaper to transport stuff by sea than by land. And like a lot of commercially friendly cities in Paul's day, there was a solid population of Jews there, enough to have a synagogue. So there you go. You might remember from our recent trip through the book of Acts that Paul preached in Thessalonica a bit, but he didn't stay long before he got run out of town. And as we pick up in our New Testament segment today, 1 Thessalonians is probably written about six months later, so this is not a very old church, and we learn that after Paul sent Timothy back to Thessalonica, Timothy returned with a largely positive report, yet also informed Paul about four different concerns that caused the apostle to write what we think of as 1 Thessalonians, the first two of which we're going to hear today about, one of which is Them accusing Paul of impure or selfish motives. And the second, uh, just responding to persecution for their new faith. 1 Thessalonians. Here we go. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace. We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters loved by God, that He has chosen you, because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit. And you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord when, in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything. For they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. For you yourselves know, brothers and sisters, that our visit with you was not without result. On the contrary, after we had previously suffered and were treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, We were emboldened by God to speak the gospel of God to you in spite of great opposition. For our exhortation didn't come from error or impurity or an intent to deceive. Instead, just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please people, but rather God who examines our hearts. For we never used flattering speech, as you know, or had greedy motives, and God is our witness, and we didn't seek glory from people, either from you or from others. Although we could have been a burden as Christ's apostles, instead we were gentle among you, as a nurse nurtures her own children. We cared so much for you that we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember our labor and hardship, brothers and sisters. Working night and day so that we would not burden any of you, we preached God's gospel to you. You are witnesses, and so is God, of how devoutly, righteously, and blamelessly we conducted ourselves with you believers. As you know, like a father with his own children, we encouraged, comforted, and implored each one of you to walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. This is why we constantly thank God, because when you received the word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it not as a human message, but as it truly is, the word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, since you have also suffered the same things from people of your own country, just as they did from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and persecuted us. They displease God and are hostile to everyone by keeping us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved. As a result, they are constantly filling up their sins to the limit, and wrath has overtaken them at last. But as for us, brothers and sisters, after we were forced to leave you for a short time, In person, not in heart, we greatly desired and made every effort to return and see you face to face. So we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of boasting in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could no longer stand it, We thought it was better to be left alone in Athens and we sent Timothy, our brother and and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you concerning your faith so that no one will be shaken by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are appointed to do this. In fact, when we were with you, we told you in advance that we were going to experience affliction and as you know, it happened. For this reason, when I could no longer stand it, I also sent him to find out about your faith, fearing that the tempter had tempted you and that our labor might be for nothing. But now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news about your faith and love. He reported that you always have good memories of us and that you long to see us just as we also long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and affliction, we were encouraged about you through your faith, for now we live, if you stand firm in the Lord. How can we thank God for you in return for all the joy we experience before our God because of you, as we pray very earnestly night and day to see you face to face and to complete what is lacking in your faith? Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another and for everyone just as we do for you. May he make your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Amen. And uh, that's the first three chapters. There you go. Um, And I'm going to leave it right there. We'll wrap that up tomorrow. But now we're going to turn back to our Old Testament segment. Chapters 1 to 11 of the book of Ezekiel, which we just started yesterday, speak to the call of the prophet and the plight of the people of Jerusalem in light of their sin and rebellion. And as mentioned yesterday, the beginning few chapters set the tone for the book regarding God's holiness and sovereignty. And right as we ended chapter one yesterday, this crazy vision, it included seeing a person who was a representation of God's glory And Ezekiel falls face down, and then he hears a voice. (laughs) And now we'll start with Ezekiel chapter 2. He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak with you. As he spoke to me, the Spirit entered me and set me on my feet, and I listened to the one who was speaking to me. He said to me, Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites to the rebellious pagans who have rebelled against me. The Israelites and their ancestors have transgressed against me to this day. The descendants are obstinate and hard-hearted. I'm sending you to them, and you must say to them, This is what the Lord God says, and you should say that whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are a rebellious house, and they will know that a prophet has been among them. But you, son of man, do not be afraid of them, and do not be afraid of their words, even though briars and thorns are beside you, and you live among scorpions. Don't be afraid of their words or discouraged by the look on their faces, for they are a rebellious house. Speak my words to them, whether they listen or refuse to listen, for they are rebellious. And you, son of man, listen to what I tell you. Do not be rebellious like that rebellious house, Open your mouth and eat what I am giving you. So I looked and saw a hand reaching out to me, and there was a written scroll in it. And when he unrolled it before me, it was written on the front and back words of lamentation, mourning, and woe were written on it. And he said to me, Son of man, eat what you find here, eat this scroll. Then go speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he fed me the scroll. Son of man, he said to me, Feed your stomach and fill your belly with this scroll that I am giving to you. So I ate it, and it was as sweet as honey in my mouth. Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak my words to them. For you are not being sent to a people of unintelligible speech, or a difficult language, but to the house of Israel. Not to the many peoples of an unintelligible speech or difficult language, whose words you cannot understand. No doubt, if I sent you to them, they would listen to you. But the house of Israel will not want to listen to you, because they do not want to listen to me. For the whole house of Israel is hard-headed and hard-hearted. Look, I have made your face as hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. I have made your forehead like a diamond, harder than flint. Don't be afraid of them, or discouraged by the look on their faces, though they are a rebellious house. Next he said to me, Son of man, listen carefully to all my words that I speak to you, and take them to heart. Go to your people, the exiles, and speak to them. Tell them, This is what the Lord God says, and say that whether they listen or refuse to listen. Then the Spirit, capital S, then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard a loud rumbling sound behind me, saying, Bless the glory of the Lord in his place. And I heard it with the sound of the living creature's wings brushing against each other and the sound of the wheels beside them, a loud rumbling sound. The Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I left in bitterness and in an angry spirit, and the Lord's hand was on me powerfully. I came to the exiles at Tel Abib who were living by the Chebar Canal, and I sat there among them stunned for seven days. Now at the end of seven days the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, I have made you a watchman over the house of Israel. When you hear a word from my mouth, Give them a warning from me. If I say to the, to a wicked person, you will surely die, but you do not warn him, you don't speak out to warn him about his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person will die for his iniquity, yet I will hold you responsible for his blood. But if you warn a wicked person and he does not turn away from his wickedness or his wicked way, he will die. He will die for his iniquity, but you will have rescued yourself. Now, if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and acts unjustly, and I put a stumbling block in front of him, he will die. If you did not warn him, he will die because of his sin, and the righteous acts he did will not be remembered. Yet I will hold you responsible for his blood. But if you warn the righteous person that he should not sin and he does not sin, he will indeed live, because he listened to your warning, and you will have rescued yourself. The hand of the Lord was on me there, and he said to me, Get up, go out to the plain, and I will speak to you there. So I got up and went out to the plain, and the Lord's glory was present there, like the glory I had seen by the Chibar Canal, and I fell face down. The Spirit entered me and set me on my feet, He spoke with me and said, Go, shut yourself inside your house. As for you, son of man, they will put ropes on you and bind you with them so that you cannot go out among them. I will make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth and you will be mute and unable to be a mediator for them for they are a rebellious house. But when I speak with you, I will open your mouth and you will say to them, This is what the Lord God says. Let the one who listens, listen, and let the one who refuses, refuse, for they are a rebellious house. Well, how's that for some heavy? But honestly, friends, I think there's a question in there for us too. Does your pastor feel that sense of burden to speak the truth about sin? Speaking the truth no matter what? Now, I know you know, and there, but there are places in the world where today, simply preaching what the Bible says is now against the law. And I don't know about you, <laughs> but I think I could see that in my country, in my lifetime, a time where simply reading the Bible to you like this would be uh, forbidden. But God is sovereign, and coincidentally, we're in a section of Proverbs that speaks to God's sovereignty over all of life including a vision for how even kings and politicians should conduct themselves in light of that. Proverbs chapter 16, picking up in verse 10. God's verdict is on the lips of a king. His mouth should not give him an unfair judgment. Honest balances and scales are the Lord's. All the weights in the bag are his concerns. Wicked behavior is detestable to kings, since a throne is established through righteousness. Righteous lips are a king's delight, and he loves one who speaks honestly. A king's fury is a messenger of death, but a wise person appeases it. When a king's face lights up, there is life. His favor is like a cloud with spring rain. Get wisdom, how much better it is than gold. And get understanding, it is preferable to silver. The highway of the upright avoids evil. The one who guards his way protects his life. And finally, pride comes before destruction. And an arrogant spirit before a fall and that gets us up through verse 16 of uh, Proverbs 16. And let me just close with this as our reflection segment. Kind of reflecting on that last aphorism that we just heard, right? We hear that even today, pride goes before a fall. One of the things that Paul warned the Thessalonians about was that that they would see persecution like he did. And of course that takes different forms for us today. At least, I don't know about you, but I'm probably not likely going to face somebody who wants to chop off my head with a machete today. But Paul didn't go into this long diatribe about spiritual warfare, but here's me just connecting a couple dots. It's pretty natural for most of us to have pride about something. Indeed, we live in a culture that encourages that to to no end. But what if we remembered that the enemy doesn't really have to worry about you, if you're being ineffective for the kingdom, like you're silent or wishy-washy or whatever. But one way pride might precede a fall is to have some success and forget that it's God's work, not ours. So may we feel the same burden for truth that Ezekiel was charged with, all the while drawing on the humility that Proverbs warned about, All the while responding with compassion to those who need Jesus, whether or not they are nice to us. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.